Well, good evening, everyone. Oh, thank you. Let's try that again. Good evening, everyone. Oh, thank you. Now I feel at home. Uh, well, you know, Jared said that I'm much older than him, but I just want to say that um, Jared and Ann are two of my heroes. Of course, Ann's my sister. Jared's my brother-in-law. But uh, for my whole life, I've been trying to play catch-up to Jared and Ann and uh, just, you know, trying my hardest to be like him or like them. And, uh, of course, most of you know, I think, that Jared just completed his Ph.D., just, isn't that right? Just a few few weeks ago. Congratulations, Jared. Yeah. So we, we affectionately know him as Dr. Roth. Uh, I, on the other hand, just a couple of weeks ago completed my master's degree in theology. So here I am, four years older than Jared, but still way behind him. Still way behind. Looking ahead. Thank you very much. Yeah, you can just call me Master Pastor if you would. I like that. Thank you. That'd be nice. Um, but uh, uh, the, the good news tonight is I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to teach from a very familiar passage of Scripture, uh, the Lord's Prayer uh, out of Matthew chapter 6. Uh, we're going to talk about prayer. We're going to finish by praying a little, and then Jared and Ann will come back up and wrap things up. But here's the good news is I'm going to tell you some things that I think are just really simple, really exciting, and really clear in this passage. And then next week, Jared and Ann will be back to straighten up the mess I've made and clean up all my mistakes. Thank you, Jared and Ann, so much for that. All right, one last thing, too. I, I uh, do not have long pants on tonight. I'm wearing shorts. Uh, if you don't think someone should preach in shorts, come back tomorrow morning. I'll be wearing long pants then. All right? So, but it's just so hot. Don't you think you should wear shorts in this heat? Yeah, yeah. Besides, when you got legs like this, flaunt them. That's what I say. Anyway, um, all right, Matthew chapter 6. Uh, Matthew chapter 6. This is... Uh, uh, Matthew 6 is a section where Jesus teaches and says, don't do your acts of righteousness to be seen by men. Uh, that's kind of the general context. And then he talks about three specific examples. He talks about giving to the poor. He says, when you give to the poor, don't let your left hand know what your right hand's doing, but do it in secret. talks about prayer, and we're going to look at that tonight. And then he talks about fasting. And we're just going to look at the prayer section tonight. Uh, and see what Jesus says about praying. And I want to suggest that he says some pretty radical, revolutionary things about how to pray. So let's read the passage. Matthew 6. It's on the back of your outline, by the way. And if you want to follow along, that outline will kind of walk through these three points. And uh, here we go. Matthew 6, starting at verse 5. When you pray, don't be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by men. I tell you the truth, they've received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father, who sees what's done in secret, will reward you. And when you pray, let's pause there for just a moment. This is the third time he said what? And when you pray. Yeah, do you think he expects us to pray? I think so. When you pray, when you pray, when you pray. Okay, here's the third thing. When you pray, don't keep on babbling like pagans, for, for they think that they will be heard because of their many words. Don't be like them. For your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. This, then, is how you should pray. And I'm going to ask you to read this along with me. Again, it's on the outlines. And I think, uh, yeah, and there it is on the screen behind me as well. Starting with the Our Father. You all know this. Here we go. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. 
And then, yes, I heard someone start, for yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory. And, of course, that's um, not found here in the original text, but uh, is often appended to the Lord's Prayer, and we usually pray that. Verse 14, for if you forgive men when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you don't forgive men their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. All right, uh, we're going to stop there, and uh, the next section's on fasting, and I... I'd rather not talk about that because I like to eat. So let's just talk about prayer. Um, In this section on prayer, Jesus gives two negatives. He says, don't pray this way, don't pray this way, but do pray this way. And so we're going to look at these two negatives and then the positive. Uh, And we'll spend most of our time on the positive. The first negative, number one on your outline, when you pray, he says, don't pray to be seen by people. Don't be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by men. The issue here, um, which is, as I said, the issue in the context of this whole chapter, is uh, your audience. Who are you trying to impress? You know, when you give to the poor, do you do it in such a way that other people notice and you're applauded and thus rewarded for it? When you pray, do you pray so that other people will hear you pray and think that you're pious or spiritual or righteous in some way? Who are you praying uh, to impress? Do you want to impress God or do you want to impress people whose approval you're trying to win? Now, a little background here. Um, The context for this, uh, Jesus is speaking to Jewish people in the first century. And at that particular time in Palestine, uh, every devout Jew prayed three times a day at 9 a.m., at noon, and at 3 p.m. These were common times of prayer. And wherever this devout Jew was, he would stop, he would raise his hands to heaven, he would bow his head and pray. Well, you can see what this could lead to, that... There were certain men who uh, always made sure to be in some very public place at 9 a.m. or noon or 3 p.m., some place where when the call to prayer sounded, you know, they would be seen by other people bowing their head, raising their hands, and praying. And Jesus said, this is the very thing you want to avoid, is praying in order to be seen by men to win their applause or to somehow impress people with your exceptional piety. Now, that was the Jewish practice of the day. Can Christians do the same thing? Yes, we can, and perhaps no one's more guilty of it than professional Christians like Jared. (laughs) Or me, right? Isn't that right? And let me just give you a couple examples. When I was a senior in high school, uh, I entered a preaching contest sponsored by our denomination. And um, I happened to make it through the preliminary stages of this competition and made it to the finals, which were held in a large banquet hall. And uh, I genuinely wanted this little talk. I mean, there were three finalists, and we each had 10 minutes to give our little talk out of the Bible. And uh, I had crafted this talk out of the scriptures uh, because it was something I deeply believed in and truly wanted to communicate. And I had prayed through all of the preliminary stages of the competition that God would use this little talk to somehow touch people. So for me, it was more than just a speaking competition. I mean, I really had something I was praying that I could communicate, and I'd prayed that privately many times. But this night in the finals, I was the third person to speak, and when I got up, I started my talk by asking everyone to join me in prayer, and I just prayed publicly and said, God, you know, as we open your word, please speak to us and make this time count. And uh, I, I think I sincerely meant it. But when I got the judges' evaluations back later, on the top of one of the judges' evaluation sheets, he had written in large letters across the top, was the prayer for God or for us? I wonder. It wasn't an accusation. I mean, he didn't accuse me of praying to impress the judges or people. He just asked the question. And it really made me stop and wonder. 
why did I pray? Did that really come from a sincere desire to talk to God? Or was there a little bit of this thing mixed in that I was going to impress the judges and the audience with my piety? And if there's one thing I've learned about myself over the years, it's that my motives are rarely pure. Have you ever identified that about yourself? Yeah. That we can have good motives, mostly, and still have a little bit of that mix. Well, the good news is I won the competition. That's all that matters. And... Um, But I've never forgotten that experience, and uh, I've tried to make sure when I pray in public, which as a pastor is quite often, that I'm authentically trying to talk to God and not just trying to impress people. When I was in Bible college, we were all required to take a class called public worship. Uh, it was required for graduation, and one of our assignments in this class was to write a pastoral prayer that would be read before, you know, read to God before the congregation. Now, let me just quickly say there's nothing inherently wrong with writing out a prayer. Uh, perhaps some of you write out your prayers. I often do. Uh, when I'm praying, I have a journal, and sometimes I'll write out specific things that I'm praying for. And uh, so there's certainly nothing wrong with writing out a prayer and reading that prayer to God. Uh, so it wasn't that writing the prayer, that's not what bothered me. What bothered me was that I got a C on it. Now, imagine genuinely pouring your heart out to God. And then having someone tell you that it was just okay. That that was just an average prayer. That was just a C prayer. And of course, what my professor was grading was not how the prayer sounded to God, but how it would sound to people. That's what he was imagining. Aren't you glad God doesn't grade your prayers? Hmm? Yeah, aren't you glad you don't pour your heart out and God says, ah, that's a C, that's, a C. that's a not a good prayer. It's not just pastors, though. I used a couple pastor illustrations here, but it's not just pastors who can be guilty of praying for the wrong audience. Have you ever been afraid to pray out loud with someone else? Anybody? In, you don't have to raise your hand, but anybody in the room? <laughs> you ever been afraid to pray out loud with someone else? Why are we afraid to pray out loud? It's not because of what God will think of us, because we know God's not going to give us a C for that prayer. Why are we afraid to pray out loud with other people? It's what they'll think of us, right? It's, will we sound holy enough? Will we sound good enough? You know, when I was in high school, um, our youth group, um, uh, I, I invited, I, I made a mistake, and I invited my cousin, who had never been to church, to my knowledge, to come with me to a youth group meeting. And uh, this particular night at the youth group, uh, we did what I call electricity prayer. And uh, what I mean by that is we all stood in a circle and held hands, and then, you know, we're going to start here and pray our way around the circle. And the reason I call it electricity prayer is because the kind of the unspoken rule was that if you didn't want to pray, you just squeeze, when it came to your turn, you just squeeze the hand of the person next to you. You ever play the game electricity? You know, you put someone in the middle and you squeeze the hands. Right, yeah, and the person in the middle tries to find who's squeezing. And I felt like God was sometimes in the middle trying to guess who was not praying. And, um, but uh, we went around and prayed. And, and I just got to tell you, uh, you know, the... the we, we, were, we were not very good. These were C prayers. No, I'm sorry. But I mean, you know, it was, it was um, um, you know, it was the same prayer repeated over and over again. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. And we pray that you would bless the boys overseas fighting in Vietnam. And blah, 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 blah. Amen. <laughs> Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. 
We pray that you'll bless the boys fighting in Vietnam, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. We pray. Do you follow what I'm saying? And I'm sure that, you, I, well, I shouldn't say I'm sure, but I just wonder if God wasn't up there saying, why don't one of you say it and the rest of you just ditto the thing, right? Instead of just doing this. But this wasn't the worst part. So everybody kind of praises it. Everyone starts the same. Honestly, everyone started the same. And it goes all the way around to my cousin who's standing here. And he's, I, I look over, he's sweating bullets. Because he's never been in church, you know. And he doesn't, I forgot to tell him the squeeze rule. He doesn't know he can get out of this. He thinks he's got to pray out loud. And so here's what he does. Comes his turn, he says, Heavenly Father, you thank us for this day. And that's exactly what happened. You could hear the... And he just froze up. And that was the last time I got him to church. I know, it was not good. He prayed a sea prayer. That's the very thing that we all fear, isn't it? That's the very thing that we all fear, that we're going to pray out loud and that someone's going to laugh or someone's going to look at us and go, what in the world are you saying? Right? We all have that fear. So is Jesus saying here, he says, don't pray for people, but go to your closet, pray to God. So I want to ask you a question. Is Jesus saying that we should never pray out loud with other people? What do you think? <laughs> should we take a vote? Okay. I, I don't think he is. I don't think it's wrong to pray out loud in front of others. I think it's wrong to pray in order to impress others. I think it's wrong to pray in order to be seen by others. That's what Jesus says, right? But is it wrong to pray together with others? Well, well no, there's other passages. Might want to jot these down. Matthew 18, 20. Jesus said, whenever two of you, uh, two or more of you gather together, he says, I'm there in the midst. And when you agree about anything in prayer, you'll receive it. So there, Jesus talks about praying together. Acts chapter 1 talks about the disciples all gathering in the upper room and praying together. I mean, there are a number of passages where um, it's talked about that praying together is a good thing to do. So Jesus isn't prohibiting praying together. And in fact, I kind of want to underscore tonight that praying together is one of the most powerful things you can do. I hope every one of you that are here with your spouse, I hope you make it a habit as part of your married life that you pray together. Very, very powerful. All of you parents, I hope you pray with your children. Lane and I, as our kids were growing up, I mean, often during the day, a lot of different situations, praying with our kids. In fact, we still pray with our kids at different times. And uh, we pray together often, you know, just... Uh, and, and you know when we pray together, it's very natural, very conversational. We'll be driving along in the car, and we'll be talking about some situation, and we just bring God right into the conversation. Say, Lord, you hear what we're talking about in this situation. Boy, we need your help in this. Help us, Jesus. Give us your wisdom. We pray for this person, this situation. It's just a natural part of our conversation together. So should we pray out loud with other people? Yeah, I think we should. But we always want to make sure that we're not doing it in such a way that it's to somehow impress people with our piety or spirituality, that we're just honest and open and having this, as Jared said, having this honest conversation with God where we're speaking to him. That's the primary thing. All right, so first, Jesus says, when you pray, don't do it to be seen by people. It's okay to pray with people, but don't do it just to impress people. You're not doing it for their approval. You're doing it for God. That's first. The second thing he says not to do. Number two, he says, when you pray, I love this one, don't try to talk God into something. 
Don't try to talk God into something. And this is verses 7 and 8 where he says, when you pray, don't keep babbling like the pagans, piling up meaningless words and phrases. And then listen to this. He says, for they think they will be heard because of what? Their many words. Yeah. That they're just going to talk God into something. You know, if we just talk long enough, God will eventually give in. The hypocrites, Jesus said, pray to be seen by men. The pagans, he said, pray to wrestle a favor from a reluctant God. The pagans imagine God to be tight-fisted, reluctant with his blessings. And so their plan is just simply to wear God out, to overwhelm God with words. If we just keep talking, eventually he'll get sick of us and just give in. Does this sound familiar to anyone? If you're a parent, it should sound familiar. Because hasn't that happened to you? All the moms and dads here, am I right? You know, that your kid comes and asks you for something and you say no. And do they just say, oh, okay, mom and dad, and walk away happy? No. What do they do? They, oh, yeah, they're going to just, they're going to talk, they're going to pester you, they're going to keep coming after you, till finally you go, all right, fine, right? Just leave me alone. All we want is what? Peace and quiet. Right, there you go, see? And this is exactly how many people see God. They see God as someone who's reluctant to part with his blessings, someone who's reluctant to say yes, but if I just talk long enough, if I just talk hard enough, if I just pester him, eventually he'll give in. Now, in contrast to that, Jesus says, God knows what you need before you ask. So God is not ignorant that he needs to be instructed, nor is he reluctant that he needs to be persuaded. God is someone who loves us, who knows our needs, and who wants to meet them. Someone put it this way. They said, prayer is not overcoming God's reluctance, it's laying hold of his willingness. God knows, God cares, God is willing. I think, do we put those words up there? Uh, have we got those words? God, well, if we don't, we can just say them together. God knows, God cares, and God is willing. Would you say that with me? God knows, God cares, and God is willing. And those are the truths that Jesus says in this passage that really ought to shape the way we pray. That we have a Father who knows what we need. We have a Father who cares for us more than we can imagine and a Father who's willing to meet those needs. Now, some people think that Jesus is forbidding any repetition in prayer. Some people read this passage and think Jesus says you should just ask once and then never ask again. Meaningless repetition. But I don't think that's the point. And here's why. Jesus himself repeated a prayer. Can any of you think where it was? The Garden of Gethsemane, thank you, yeah, it says three times he went back praying, it says the same thing. Father, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not what I will, but what you will, what you want. And so Jesus himself modeled repetition in prayer, if you will. In Matthew chapter 7, the very next chapter here in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says, ask and you'll receive, seek and you'll find, knock and the door will be open." And he gives all of those in the present continuous tense. Literally what it says is keep on asking, keep on seeking, keep on knocking. In Luke 18, Jesus tells the story of the poor widow who was persistent with a judge until she received justice. And Jesus says in, in Luke 18, 1, it says Jesus tells this story uh, so that they should always pray and not give up. Now, I know some of you who are familiar with that story say, well, see, there it is right there, you know, the pestering thing. The, the lady just pestered the judge until he finally gave in. Jesus, if you read that story carefully, Jesus is actually contrasting that judge with God. He's not saying the judge is like God. He says, in fact, won't God give justice and quickly to those who ask him? 
And so he's saying, God's not reluctant like this judge. God is willing, he says, but will the Son of Man find faith on the earth when he comes? And so we can pray the same thing more than one time. Jesus isn't forbidding repetition in prayer. And in fact, I often do this. I will, maybe you do too, I often will come back and ask God for the same thing. Here's why. Not to talk God into something, but to discern his will. Does that make sense? That I come back and say, Lord, let's talk about this again, because I want to understand what you want and experience your peace. So praying the same thing is not forbidden here, but meaningless repetition is. Don't pile up words, meaningless phrases. Don't keep babbling in an attempt to wear God down. Don't try to talk God into something. God knows, God cares, and God's willing to help you. All right, there's the two negatives. He says, don't be like the hypocrites who pray to be seen by people, and don't be like the pagans who try to talk God into something by piling up words. And then number three, here's the positive. He says, this is how you should pray. This is how you should pray, and it's the Lord's Prayer. And uh, I want to look at the Lord's Prayer. Jesus gave us the Lord's Prayer as a model. He says, this is how you should pray. So it's a model, and it's a model in three ways, three different ways. Uh, and I think, are these on the outline too? You got an A, B, and C there? Okay. The first way, the Lord's Prayer is a model in the sense that it is a prayer to say. And Luke 11 too, Luke 11 is where Jesus gives the Lord's Prayer, and Jesus actually introduces the prayer there by saying, when you pray, say. And he gives us the words to say. You know, the Lord's Prayer is the most prayed prayer in the world. It is universally familiar. I mean, almost everyone knows the Lord's Prayer. Two guys were arguing one day, and one guy challenged the other and says, I'll bet you five bucks you don't know the Lord's Prayer. The other guy said, sure I do. Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. And the first guy handed him five bucks and said, I didn't think you knew it. <laughs> Everybody knows this prayer, right? And in fact, how many of you grew up saying this prayer on a regular basis? Okay, yeah, a lot of us did. Jesus says, when you pray, say. Why would he tell us? Why would Jesus tell us, say this prayer? Why would Jesus give us a prayer to memorize and say. Why would he do that? I want to suggest, here's the reason. It's how we learn to pray. Because it's how we learn to talk. I mean, how did you learn how to talk? Your parents were there saying, yeah, mama, dada, right? You know, and we, it was by hearing repeatedly and we heard those words and we started saying them. And I've got five kids and five grandkids, and right now one of our children, um, my daughter Amy and her husband Zach, and their two beautiful little boys, our little uh, grandsons, uh, ages four and two, are, are living with us, uh, have been for the last year. And uh, the little two-year-old, Stager, is, uh, by the way, they adopted these boys from Ethiopia, and they are just, oh my word, they're cute. And, uh, uh, but Stager is just now putting words into sentences, you know, and he's got this real deep little voice, you know, it's just so odd. Anyway, sorry, I just got off on that because I'm just bragging about my grandkids. But, you know, that's how you learn how to talk, right? And so I've got, I've got Stager saying grandpa really, really well. It's good. But, you know, this is how we learn how to pray as well. I think Jesus gave us the Lord's Prayer to teach us how to pray. You know, think how um, when you became a Christian, how did you learn what Christians did? Pretty simple. How'd you learn what Christians did? Yeah, you just watched other Christians, right? And so when I first became a Christian, I mean, I figured it out real quickly. I watched and I thought, okay, yeah, Christians go to church. So I started going to church. 
And then at church, I noticed Christians read their Bible. And so I thought, i got to start reading my Bible. And at that time, the only Bible I had was the Bible my grandmother had given me in the fifth grade. It was a leather-bound King James Bible. And so I remember getting my Bible out, brand-new Christian. I got that, found that little leather King James Bible. I opened it up, and where do you start? At the beginning, so I start in Genesis, and I, did, I got all the way to chapter 5, and in chapter, yeah, you know what it goes, you know, and, and Abraham beget Isaac, or I'm sorry, and it says Adam beget Seth, and Seth beget Enosh, and Enosh beget Kenan, and so-and-so beget so-and-so. And I, I didn't even know what a beget was. <laughs> and I, 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 I got derailed by this. And so my buddy at church, he says, well, go just start in the New Testament. So I go to Matthew, and Matthew chapter 1, how's Matthew chapter 1 start? And Abraham beget Isaac, and Isaac beget Jacob, and... You know, I thought, wow, this begatting is important stuff. It's all over in the Bible, and, uh, which is probably why I have five kids now. But, um, <laughs> but once I got past the begats, I realized, you know, Matthew's the story of Jesus, Mark, Luke, John. And, uh, and I read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. I went back and read them again, went back and read them again, and uh, discovered that's what I really needed to know. So that's how I learned how to read the Bible, just by what, and, and you know, that's how I learned how to pray. I learned how to pray uh, just by watching Christians, when Christians pray, this is what I should do, I should pray. Now the problem was, uh, in our little church, um, the, the main prayers I heard were from the pastor and the elders, and they were beautiful, they were flowery, they were eloquent, and when I, as a 13-year-old eighth grader, tried to pray that way, I stumbled all over myself and sounded pretty stupid, and I remember thinking, I just, this prayer thing, I don't, you know, can anyone relate to this? You, you know, you get on your knees and you start to pray and it feels like an hour and it's been a minute. Do you know what I'm saying? You know, what do I say and how do I say it? And it wasn't long, I'm reading the gospel of Matthew, remember, and it wasn't long and I came to this and I saw, here's a prayer I can pray. And so for the first few weeks of my Christian life, this was the prayer that I prayed on my knees by my bed each night, our Father. And slowly, I began to learn how to talk with God. And I still regularly return to these words and pray them, just because it's a prayer that you can say. And we'll do that again a little later tonight. So first of all, it's a prayer you can say. The second way it's an is that it's an example of prayer. And by that, uh, Jesus says here in Matthew 6, he says, this is how you should pray. And I think he's offering it as an example. And there's some really cool things about this. Uh, as we look at Jesus' model prayer here as an example... The first thing we see is that prayer is simple. Prayer is simple. This is a prayer that a child can say. It's profound, but it's not complex. The sentences are short. The ideas are simple and clear and straightforward. Prayer is so simple that a child can do it. And many children, by the way, do it very well, do they not? In fact, I, I learn a lot about prayer by just listening to kids prayer. Pray uh, And so often what we as adults do is we make it so complex, we layer it with so many complexities that prayer becomes intimidating. And as adults, we back off. But Jesus gives us here a prayer that's so simple a child can pray it. And why is that true? Why is prayer simple? Because you know what prayer is? Essentially, prayer is a child talking to his or her father, right? Isn't that what prayer really is? It's just a child talking to his or her father. And, uh, you know, when our kids were growing up, uh, they, you know, they were just so natural. You know, for example, I'd, I'd get home from work, and one of the kids come up and go, Dad, can we go out to pizza tonight? It was pretty simple, right? Dad, can we go out to pizza? Never once, never once in all the years raising these five kids that I have a kid come up and go, Oh, thou great and glorious father. 
You who brought me into the world, you who feed and clothe me, you who work all week to place bread on our table, magnificent bread, I might add, oh, marvelous mother. I beseech you, might it be possible that you could take us to pizza tonight? Not that I'm ungrateful for what you cook, oh, masterless mother, but I long to play on the video games there. Please, please, please. Never once heard a prayer like that. What did I hear? Can we go to pizza? Yeah. And that's all prayer is, just a child talking to his or her father. It's simple. And so let me, this might be one of the best things I say all night. I always like to warn people when I'm going to say something good, but here it comes. If you find prayer difficult, if you find prayer intimidating, you've probably made it something other than what Jesus says it is. Because Jesus made it very simple, childlike. So in this model prayer, prayer is simple. Here's another thing about it. You're going to love this one. Prayer is short. Prayer is short. One of the outstanding features of the Lord's Prayer is its brevity. You can say the whole prayer, speaking very deliberately, in less than 25 seconds. In contrast to the endless multiplying of words, Jesus says, pray this way. Instead of babbling to try to convince God into something, he says, pray this way. And he gives us a 25-second prayer. Now, please don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying it's wrong to pray longer than 25 seconds. A long prayer is not a wrong prayer. It's just not required. And Jesus is saying that too many people secretly suspect that longer prayers are more effective with God. But again, such thinking comes from that mistaken notion that God is tight-fisted rather than a generous and loving Father. And friends, simply put, to take an hour to say something to God that we could say in five minutes is closer to paganism than it is to Christianity. Because Jesus says, pray this way, and gives us a very simple 25-second prayer. Listen, I, I said there are long prayers in the Bible. There's a lot of short ones, too. One of my favorite prayers, and this is a prayer I pray all the time. I'll bet you do, too. It's found in Matthew chapter 14. It's the story of Jesus coming, walking across the water in the middle of the night, freaks the disciples out. They're in the boat, right? They think he's a ghost. They're scared to death. When they finally realize it's Jesus, what does Peter say? He says, bid me to come to you, Lord. Invite, I want to walk on the water. Call me. So Jesus says, come on, Pete. And Peter gets out of the boat. Now, I've always wanted, I mean, when I get to heaven, I want to see the replay on this, you know, the, the instant replay. I, I wonder, did Peter just jump out of the boat, or did he do this? Did he kind of put his leg over and kind of feel around for a firm spot, you know? Because that's a little freaky, right? It's the middle of the night. You're getting out of the boat to walk on the water. But Peter gets out. He walks on the water toward Jesus. And all of you know the story, right? It's not long. He's walking on the water. It's really cool. And all of a sudden, he notices the wind's blowing. The spray's hitting him in the face. He takes his eyes off Jesus. He starts looking around. He gets afraid. And what's he do? He sinks. And when he sinks, he prays. And what was his prayer? Oh, great and glorious heavenly Father. Was it one of those prayers? No, what was his prayer? Save me, yeah. It was, in a word, it was, help. Save me. Lord, save me. Help. Just a real quick prayer. And what did Jesus do? That's a C prayer. <laughs> that didn't work, Peter. You're going down. Sorry. Till you learn how to pray, you're just going to sink there, buddy. Now, what did Jesus do? He reached down, grabbed him by the hand, lifted him up. That prayer seemed to work, didn't it? How many of you have ever prayed the help prayer? Huh? Yeah. Help. It's a short prayer, but it works. Does God hear that prayer? Absolutely. In fact, I pray a lot of prayers all during the day. And by the way, I think you all know this, don't you? You can pray where? Anywhere. You can pray when? Anytime. Why? Because God's always there, and he's always listening. 
And you can be in your car, you can be walking, you can be at work, you can be at the grocery, you can be anywhere, and you can pray. And here's a great prayer. Help. Help me right now, Lord. I need your wisdom. I need your power. I need your strength. Whatever it is, help. And does Jesus hear that prayer? Absolutely. Prayer simple. Prayer short. Here's another thing in this model prayer is that prayer is natural. Prayer is natural. Jesus' prayer has the rhythms of normal speech. And why do I mention that? Because so often when we pray, we think that we think that we need to sound spiritual. Have you ever noticed that some people when they pray, I mean, it's like they talk with a normal voice and normal words, and then when they pray, everything switches, their voice suddenly sounds, you know what I'm saying? They get a holy voice, and, and all of a sudden they start using holy words, you know, it's like thee and thou, and you, you, anyone know what I'm talking about? Now, here's the thing. You know, if, if you like to pray with King James English, if that's the way you like to talk to God, that's cool. God doesn't mind. But what I'm telling you is you don't have to do that. Don't think that there's any requirement in the Bible that says, when you pray, sound holy. When you pray, sound like you're from four centuries ago. No, when you pray, what should you sound like? You. That's right. You should just sound like you. And Jesus' prayer here has that rhythm to it. It's just a very short, simple, and natural prayer. And I just want to say that I think millions of people are uncomfortable with prayer because they think they just don't sound spiritual enough. And I just want you to feel free to dump those notions and remember that Jesus in this prayer gives us permission to simply be ourselves. And so the Lord's Prayer is this example prayer. We say the prayer, but it's a model of prayer in that it's short, simple, and natural. And the last thing, and I'm coming in for a landing, we're almost done. Let her see here is it's a pattern for prayer. It's a pattern for prayer. What do I mean by that? I mean that the Lord's Prayer can be used as kind of an outline for our thoughts. In other words, Jesus is actually telling us what kinds of things we ought to be praying about. And it's very interesting. Because the first thing Jesus tells us to pray about is whose stuff? Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name, may your kingdom come, may your will be done on earth as it is. So whose stuff do we pray about first? God's stuff, yeah. Here's a really interesting thought. You know, what? a lot of us treat prayer uh, primarily as just a transactional event to get what we need from God. And by the way, is it okay to pray about what you need? Well, that's the second half of the prayer, isn't it? The second half of the prayer is give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts, our sins, as we forgive those, and lead us not into temptation. But first, Jesus starts with your name, your kingdom, your will. And so he tells us that prayer, first of all, is all about God and God's concerns. And maybe, maybe prayer isn't so much just a transaction, getting God to give us what we need, as it is coming to know what God's will is. That is finding out what God wants. And that that's where we start is, okay, Lord, here I am. What do you want to do? What do you want to say? What's your will? So it's God first. And by the way, I happen to think personally that this is kind of a distinctive of the Christian life. That Christians not only pray this way, God first, but Christians actually learn to live this way, God first. So that we live our lives day by day, moment by moment. God, what do you want? What do you want to do in my life today? May your will be done. 
May your kingdom come today, here on earth, in my life, as it is in heaven. So after we worship, after we put God first, then we get to our needs. And notice what these three needs are. Give us today our daily bread. What's that? That's physical, right? That's our physical well-being. And then he says, uh, forgive us for our sins as we forgive those who sinned against us. That's our spiritual well-being. Take away our sins. And then lead us not into temptation. That's moral. So you've got physical, spiritual, and moral. And in these three things, Jesus covers all of the main things of life and in essence tells us you can bring anything in your life. Physical, spiritual, moral, doesn't matter. You can bring anything to your life in your life to God and ask him for his help. And... Uh, so one of the things I want to encourage you to do, this is I, I do this regularly, is I'll take the Lord's Prayer and just use it as an outline for prayer. And I'll just pray through these things. And take, I take some time to linger over them. May your kingdom come. Lord, where does your kingdom need to come? And I'll think about things in my life. Let God's reign happen here. What would that look like, Lord? May your will be. Is that making sense? So you can use it as a pattern for prayer. All right. So there's some thoughts on prayer. Now, what we're going to do is actually try and practice. And we're just going to take a few minutes to do this. And then Jared and Ann are going to come back up and wrap things up. Is that okay? You got just a couple minutes? Okay. So we're going to pray. So we're going to start by saying the Lord's Prayer because we said it's a prayer you can say. And so uh, are we going to put that back up? I think if we got the Lord's Prayer, we can put back up on the screen. There it is. All right, perfect. Um, let's say this together. But again, we're saying it, not just saying it, but we are praying it. Very good. Let's pray this together. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Now would you bow your heads with me? And we're going to continue praying. And um, if we can leave that slide up on the screen behind us there, I want to ask you to do this. If you could ask God for only one thing, what would it be? I mean, right now, if you just stood face to face with God, you know that you had one request, what would that be? I want you just to bring that, lay it at his feet, ask him. And talk about it with him and listen for his answer. Let's pray for a moment.